welcome to Embrace Live Thrive, a podcast to encourage women that depression and anxiety are not normal parts of motherhood. To realize that taking care of yourself is important and you, mom, are worthy of care, and that is the best way to care for your family. Join me as we talk through issues in mental, social, nutritional, physical health, and so much more. Now is the time to start talking and admit that motherhood is the hardest thing we have ever done, but also the most rewarding. I hope you were able to listen as I tell you that it is okay to not be okay, but what is not okay is to stay there. I hope to equip you with tools, tips, resources to help get you through some of life's most exhausting moments. And at the end of the day, realize that you are the best mom out there for your family. Hey guys, it's Dr. Sarah Meyer. Thank you so much for listening today. I have the pleasure of talking with Rena Dennis, licensed practical counselor today, who specializes in addiction counseling. Rena talks us through understanding the final motivation for change. We talk through ambivalence, the acronym DARNCAT, and what all of those things contribute to understanding change. I can guarantee as you are listening to this podcast today, there is something in your life that you know needs to change and you have a whole bevy of thoughts swirling about this struggle. Please listen closely as Rena talks us through so many important concepts when it comes to being ready to actually make the change. Always continue to watch Embrace Live Thrive Social and be on the lookout for a new upcoming workshop soon to be released. But for now, sit back and put on your thinking cap. Here's Rena. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening today. I am really, really excited about this conversation. We're going to talk about some topics that uh, we might be less familiar with, ambivalence, darn cat, some words that sound very clinical, but we are going to break that down and what that means to you and I and everyday life. So Rena, I children go to the same school. So I've had the opportunity to meet her through various school events and she is super awesome. I really have enjoyed getting to know her and I'm really excited to have her on today. Rena, if you would take a second and introduce yourself and a little bit about your background and then we'll get going. Awesome. Thank you for that introduction. Um, Yeah, my name is Rena Dennis. Like Sarah said, I know her through our children. I am a licensed professional counselor and I specialize in addiction counseling. I am a wife to a wonderful husband and I have three young kiddos, six, three years old and eight months old. So tiny, tiny to be here. Thank you. Yeah. I'm really excited to dive into this, which we will in a second, because I think addiction is very intense space to be in. I'll be very interested to hear how that became a direction. But before we start there, let's talk a little bit about who you are. What is one thing you would say that has influenced you the most for who you are today, Rena? Probably my mom. Uh, My mom has been a huge influence on me. She worked her way through nursing school while being a mom of four kids and just that drive and that motivation to make a better life for herself and for me and my siblings, as well as going into a helping profession. I actually (laughs) helped my mom like study for her tests and I would like write definitions down for her and like that's awesome kind of help her with some of those things. So she's been like a truly inspirational person for me and as well as my faith, learning about God and how Jesus was on this earth and just constantly just ministering to people and helping people and doing miracles and that influential piece 
also drove me to just wanting to be in a helping profession. Yeah. And so tell us what led you to initially even just want to start with counseling? To be honest with you, counseling was not the first thing on my mind at all. Um, (laughs) That's fair. Yeah. (laughs) Wanted to be um, either a pediatrician or an obstetrician. Chemistry wasn't my strong suit. So Mm -hmm. totally redirected me into psychology, which is so interesting because, you know, it's about human brain and how our thoughts influence our actions or our behaviors Uh and feelings, like how it's all related. So that was really interesting for me. Mm -hmm. Um, But just trying to figure out how to take that and move it into a helping profession. And so counseling kind of jumped out at me at my grad and my undergrad program. That's kind of where I learned about it and was like, oh, I like to hear people talk. I like to engage in conversation. Like, that should be a great way to help people, right? So that's kind of where that stemmed from. And I love that your path began medical, which makes a little bit of sense with your mother having gotten a medical degree and you helping her study for a medical degree that that was on the mind and really transitioning into almost the psychology behind it. And I, I really feel like medical and, and counseling go hand in hand because there are a lot of psychological components to illness. That's not saying that people aren't really sick or don't really feel pain. That's not what, what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we know that especially once you get into chronic things, your brain processes them differently. So it has to be treated differently. So that has always been a fascinating thing for me, even within physical therapy is understanding the psychology behind pain, understanding the psychology behind compliance. You can tell somebody who's hurt what to do all day long, but if they're not ready to be compliant, you're talking to a brick wall. So I love how the two intersect. So you went into counseling yes, and then you kind of narrowed down into the field of addiction. Tell us how that came about. Well, it was definitely God's plan Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, because addiction was not on my mind. I actually wanted to be a marriage and family therapist. Yeah. So it all worked out. I needed an internship and where I did my internship was an addiction treatment center. Yeah. Um, And so I was like, okay, well, at least it'll broaden my horizons. It'll get my feet wet with some kind of counseling and really kind of understand addiction more because I was so naive to Mm-hmm. addiction and what it all entailed and how it just had a just a powerful grip on people. And so going into that internship, learning so much, I mean, it just fascinated me and just yeah. kept me glued. Out of curiosity, and, and when we say addiction, that can be a whole host of things. Do yeah. you see certain trends or have higher percentages of certain addictions versus others? So my... The field that I'm in, it's mostly looking at addictions with substances. Okay. That's kind of where my focus is at, as Mm -hmm. well as the mental health aspect on top of that. Okay. Um, Most of our clients that we see, two-thirds of our clients that are struggling with substances also are struggling with some kind of co-occurring health disorder. So mental health, trauma, those kind of things. Yeah. Which intuitively would seem to make sense. So when you're thinking about your clients, the the people that you work with, and I'm sure you've seen varying degrees of success of people who are ready to make changes and people who weren't, in your experience, what would you say is some of the biggest limitations 
that you see that keep clients from really being able to start taking those steps forward into to a healthier lifestyle? Probably the biggest limitation is change. Mm-hmm. Because, and if you think about it with anybody, it can be addiction. It can be anything that yeah. somebody is so familiar with, right? Like mm-hmm. that it's, it's ingrained in them. Yeah. So a person that is using a substance, they've been using it for so long that it's their normal. Mm-hmm. It's what's their known. Use, yes. It's what's known. Mm-hmm. It's what, whatever's going on around them, like the chaotic environment that they, that the substance that's kind of put them in, if that mm-hmm. makes sense, it's normal. It's a status quo. Mm-hmm. And so more times than not, a client does not want to change that status quo because it's unfamiliar. Right change, future, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. Right. And that's a huge limitation because it's Mm -hmm. like, okay, yeah, I understand that this is a problem, but what happens if I take the substance away? What is my life going to look like after that? Yeah. And that, I mean, take addiction out of that. That's for anybody, right? We're humans, we're creatures of habit. We are, you know, we struggle with that. Changes. We, we, (laughs) We appreciate our comfort zone. Yes. And in that, it goes with whether you're in some sort of abuse or whether you're in just a situation that's not thriving. We get very comfortable in those situations because exactly that's what's known. And what is not right. known is fearful. Well, can it be worse? Can it be different? Will I lose this? Will I do that? The unknown. Where do I go from here? Yeah, it's extremely scary. And that that is across the board. When we think about kind of some of these mindset things, something in specific I want to talk about today is really the concept of ambivalence and what to you, what does that even mean? And what the understanding of what that is? Sure. I think of ambivalence. I think of sitting on a fence, right? Mm -hmm. Kind of torn between two options Mm -hmm. basically. Right. So it's like, okay, Let's give an example. So hypothetically, you know, uh, let's just say somebody is ambivalent about losing weight Mm -hmm. or eating healthier, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, with ambivalence, it's very much like, well, do I want to? I mean, I know, like, it'll be positive for me. I'll have, Mm -hmm. you know, I'll look great or I'll feel better or whatever, you know, whatever those positives are. But at the same time, like, I really like to eat sweets or I really like this or I don't really need to lose weight. Very much on the fence, like a seesaw. They don't know which way to go. So they're not sure that they really want to push themselves towards making a change. Mm -hmm. Because again, it's back to that. I like my status quo. I like things Mm -hmm. to stay the same creature of habit. Like if I make this change, it's going to throw me into a whole whirlwind of new things that I'm not ready for. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It does. And it, it really kind of also aligns with, well, this known is safe. Mm-hmm. The unknown is unsafe. Yes. So when we are thinking from about ambivalence and really what, what becomes the drive or the motivation for change, I know one of the things we've talked through is, is the darn cat. Mm-hmm. Would you explain to us a little bit more about what that stands for? Yes. So darn cat is definitely an acronym. So the D in darn cat is desire, right? Mm -hmm. Like somebody has to have a desire to even want to invoke change. Something has to be bubbling inside then like, okay, I need to do something about this, right? Mm -hmm. So that desire, that want. The A is ability. 
So they have to ha- actually have the uh, ability to do this, to complete this change, have right. the means to do this. The R is reason. So mm-hmm. again, pretty self-standatory. You need to have a reason for wanting to make this change. Right. And then a need. So I, I need to do this maybe for health reasons, or I need to do this because, you know, I may lose something if I don't change. Mm-hmm. So that's the darn. The first part of it is very much like the change talk. It's it's mm-hmm. there. It's There's some reasonings behind it right yeah. but it's not no but they haven't 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 actually like moved towards the change yet gotcha. whereas when you get into the cat now we've kind of transitioned mm-hmm. so now the c is like commitment okay so now we're like actually committing to maybe making a change and trying to look and see what that looks like mm-hmm. the a is activation so now we're activating that change so that means we're looking at different options what is this change going to look like how are we going to mm-hmm. do this it's like making goals basically and then mm-hmm. T for cat is taking steps. Okay. So now they're actually implementing that change and taking the baby steps to then make that complete change, if that makes sense. Yeah, it absolutely does. And how do you use the darn cat as a part of your treatment sessions? Is it just something you help them walk through or just something you help them with realization? It stems from the theory motivational interviewing. And so what it does is it helps the therapist recognize where the client is and whether or Mm -hmm. not they're talking about change talk or if they're talking about um, sustained talk. Mm -hmm. So change talk is whenever they're using some of those, okay, I have a desire, I have a need, or I have a reason, or Mm -hmm. I could see myself, you know, ability, I could see myself doing this, that darn part of it, part of the acronym. Whereas sustained talk is very much like, nope. I like my status quo. I don't want to change. I like where I'm at. I'm comfortable. Mm -hmm. So hearing the change talk or the darn part of the darn cat is really helpful for me to then be able to drive more of that. Okay, if you Mm -hmm. have this, using those therapeutic skills to kind of drive that more to get them into the cat part of it where it's like, okay, are we committing? Are Mm -hmm. we going to activate it? Are we going to take steps? Or are we still going to stay in that? status quo. And when you're thinking about, again, in your experience with your working with your clients, what really drives that motivation for change that switches from the talk to the actual readiness to make an actual change? In my clinical experience, I would say when there's a really like a desperate need, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense, like, Mm -hmm. um, for instance, with the client, you know, if there's like this desperate this this desperation right like Mm -hmm. they've hit their rock bottom and they know without a shadow of a doubt like I have this desperate need that I have to do these things maybe Mm -hmm. to get my kids back or to not lose my life you know something so pivotal I think that swings them into making those commitments and taking those steps yeah because without that desperation and kind of that rock bottom yeah there's not really a drive to see, okay, there is no positives. I have to get out of this situation, mm-hmm. right? Whereas somebody on the fence yeah. might be like, well, I still see positives in the situation. Yeah. And I don't, I, the cons don't outweigh the positives. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense to move them along. It does. Yeah. And I think that is again, the same for whether we're talking about addiction or we're talking about depression, anxiety, it's really when you hit that moment 
And I find that most people have that, like a defining moment in their, mm-hmm. their health journey, their addiction journey, where they're like, this can't go on any longer. I have hit whatever situation, circumstances, and I have now, I, I see that there's no actual movement for me in this path. And I have to make my path different. When you are thinking about people that have hit that moment and they're like, okay, I, I know a change has to occur, but maybe they don't even know how, what advice or encouragement do you have for that person that's listening that might be ready for change, but is lost at where to even get started? The first thing would be prayer. I'm all, Mm -hmm. I'm all about prayer and just, yeah just to kind of be at peace a little bit, right? Like obviously prayer is not the be all end all, but just peace. Yeah. But definitely engaging in therapy. Mm-hmm. I mean, a ther- therapy is such a great way to be able to lay everything out on the table and get an outside perspective mm-hmm. um, that can really just show you, oh, you know, things that you never even thought about, you know, like understanding yeah. why maybe decisions were made or, you know, how things came about or why we acted in certain ways. It's just great to have an unbiased opinion Mm -hmm. there, not judging you to be able to really just work through whatever issue is going on. Yeah. And to provide support and encouragement and to help with that motivational interviewing if somebody is ambivalent towards whatever Mm -hmm. problem or, or thing that is occurring within their life. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I find, I love that you talked about starting with prayer and then stepping into counseling or therapy. Growing up in in the church, it got unintentionally put in my subconscious that basically you should be able to pray your way out of anything, right? And we know that God is extremely capable and can do anything he chooses at any time. However, he has also given people wisdom and knowledge Mm -hmm. in areas that can support and encourage people who are having either chemical dependence or chemical causes of depression or things. And so to just rely on one thing and not all of the beautiful things that God has created to, to provide support for us, in my mind, kind of a stuck mindset. Of, yeah. of things because God has created so many beautiful resources and so many beautiful individuals that have struggled, seen maybe a lack of resource and put that resource in place. And so that's really a part, a drive of, of this podcast is to really support women, individuals who are struggling to say, hey, there's stuff out there. Mm-hmm. There are resources. I trust me, I get it. It can feel very overwhelming, very isolating, very lonely to be struggling even with inside the church and to have to make that that admittance that yeah, I'm I am struggling. I do I do need help. Where do I find that help? So I think that's really a great combination to put together because sometimes there are additional things we need. Sure. And God can guide us and direct us to the the right thing that we need, but there are other things that are in place that are beautiful things that he has created as well. Well, also, and and God doesn't want us to feel like we're alone or we're isolated or Mm -hmm. we're the only one going through this problem, right? I mean, that's why he put us in companionship with other people. So we would rely on each other and draw strength from each other and to work through our problems together and not be isolated. Yeah. Rena, this has been such a great conversation, really kind of talking about some 
um, important concepts around some hard topics. If people want to find you and find more about you and potentially seek you out as a therapist, what are the best ways to find you? Yeah, of course. So people can get in contact uh, with me through my email. Um, it's renadennis0721 at gmail.com. Perfect. Okay, guys, I'm going to put that in the show notes. That way, um, if you have any questions for her or want to maybe talk more to her, you have access of, of how to do that. So Rena, we are going to wrap with my favorite question. What is your favorite form of self-care? Oh man, Sarah, there's so many. Oh, um, good. I love that answer. <laughs> I don't do as much as I should, but I love mm -hmm. to journal when I do. I love to get all my thoughts and my feelings out on paper. It's a great way to vent, you yeah. know, maybe when you don't want to actually like talk to somebody. That's probably one of my favorites. That and I love to scrapbook, just getting out oh, of my head fun. and and into a creative outlet and being biased. I love my kids. And so get to scrapbook all their memories and stuff yeah. and just looking back on some of those things. Those are probably two of my favorite self care forms. So, Oh, I love it. Journaling is probably one of my top. Um, I have found, I love just a free journal. So I will literally sit and I will write whatever comes to mind. If I'm frustrated, yeah. upset, trying to work through a situation as the words come out of my brain, I write them down and get them out. And it's such a great way of just because thoughts will just rattle out around in your brain mm -hmm. and they'll rattle, 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 rattle. And then you're like, ah, I don't even know where I started thinking about this anymore. But if you can just get it out, write it down, sometimes it helps give you a little bit of clarity to at least either order steps or you're like, okay, now I have a plan of action because I've gotten it all out of my brain and I can see what I need to do next. So that yes. is by far something in probably the last couple of years that I've really done consistently to really help even just within myself, help clarify stuff. Yeah. So. And it's just freeing. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. I even have a couple of times when I have been really mad at my husband and I don't know how to talk to him without like either crying or yelling, I will journal him a letter <laughs> and then leave it on his desk and be like, let's talk about this later. <laughs> So. It's a great way of communication. Well, there you go. There's there's another <laughs> option if you you feel like you need to talk to your husband or partner and you don't know how. So, okay, yes. Rena, this has been so much fun. I really enjoy talking to you. Guys, please, I hope you listen, you hear, and are able to start taking steps to move forward wherever you might need to. Okay, guys, thanks for listening.